he is out in the desert. Do not go out. Or here he is in the inner rooms. Do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows about the day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. John, come and share with us. I've got a lot of a lot of powerpoints today so I'm 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 driving on my own. Hopefully it's going to work. Hopefully it's going to work. It's not working. <laughs> I'm looking for my expert Eric. I wouldn't mind, there's a lot of PowerPoints and it could be hard for Henry to keep following me. So while 
Eric runs away, we're going to pray. And you can um, <laughs> pray for the clicker. Father, just, I just pray, we pray, Lord, that your word and your truths as we look at the return of Jesus would be clearly spoken by me and that we might understand your purposes better and that we might believe and obey and conform our lives to your great kingdom purposes, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's see if I can get an answer about my clickety-clacker, otherwise I'll just get going because I know there's no pauses, that's the rule. No, no silence in radio. And we're just going to go then. Too certain. To, we'll go to the next one. Henry, you can clickety-clack through that manually. And the next one. There we go. Are you ready? Beautiful. There's two certainties in life, and that is, of course, you know, death and taxes. And so it was. One of those certainties came through to me this week, past week. It wasn't death. I did my taxes and, um, and mine and his taxes and all the affairs of our taxes and finances. And as you get older, at least for me, life gets more complicated financially. It's like, whoa, it's such a pain. I spent the best part of a day doing my rotten tax. And why do I, why did I do that? Why would I take my day off, my Tuesday day off, and spend almost the whole day sitting on the floor, throwing pieces of paper around and transferring numbers to this and that? Well, because there's a day of judgment coming. And I have to be ready and I have to be up to date. You know, there's a chance, I haven't done the final numbers, but there's a chance we'll have to pay tax this year, which when you're doing your tax and you think you've even got to give the government more, it's even less incentive to do your tax. But you've got to do it. Now, um, let me ask you a question. Is anyone planning to have a crash as they drive home from church today? Anybody planning to have a car crash as they're driving this year? Nobody? How many of you have car insurance? Oh, I bet most of you who have cars have car insurance. Thank you, Eric. He's a champion. He's the man. Why do you have car insurance if you're not going to have a smash? You know, that costs a lot of money. When you drive home from church today, are you going to put your seatbelt on? Does anyone plan- no, one, no one's planning to have a car crash, so why bother putting your seatbelt on? For goodness sakes, it just restricts you. Well, probably because you want to be ready, right? Let me make it a little bit harder. Question. Step over the boundary. Is anyone planning to die today? No, you wouldn't be here, would you? You'd think, I've got better things to do than go to church on Sunday morning if I'm going to die this afternoon. Now, here's the thing. You may never have a car accident. You may even be able to get through life without ever paying tax. It's possible. But you are 100% guaranteed you will die. If you put on your seatbelt and buy car insurance, you better be ready for death. Because it's going to happen. You don't know when or why, but it will happen. There is an escape clause. Here we are. There is an escape clause. You know, the one thing, the one way that you will not die is if the Lord Jesus returns while you're still living. So many of us hope for that because we don't really want to face death, let's face it. But you know, the prospect of Jesus' return while you're still living, all that has done is up the ante. You've got to be ready for death? Well, man, you want to be ready if Jesus comes back. As king, 
who is coming to reign as we just sang. That will be the great day of history. That will be the day like no other. And Jesus has said he's coming again. We're in the second talk. That was working before. It's not going to work, is it, Eric? Henry, you've got a very, very busy Sunday today. Thank you. We're in the second talk of our series, uh, He's Coming Again on the Return of the Lord Jesus. Last kingdom we looked, we looked at the very nature of the kingdom of God and the promises about the kingdom of God in the scriptures and it's just natural, Jesus has to return. If you understand God's kingdom purposes, Jesus has to return and not only that but the Bible's promised it again and again and again that Jesus is coming back. This week I want to ask the how and the why questions. How is he coming back and why is he coming back? Because if you understand the how and the why, how he's coming back, you'll want to be ready. And if you understand why he's coming back, you'll really want to be ready. And what I want you to go away from today is thinking, gee, I better be ready. How is come Jesus coming back? Move us on, Henry. Well, perhaps in secret. You know, the Jehovah's Witnesses, they made lots of predictions about the day when Jesus would come back. Eventually they said, very publicly, October the 14th, 1st, 1914. He's coming back on October 1, 1914. And nothing changed. There was a war in Europe. But they said, no, he came back. It was secret. Because at the moment he's in, invisible in heaven and he came back invisible and he took on his throne and Jesus has returned. Not yet, Henry. Um, maybe it'll be spiritual. Maybe, you know, God's spirit coming to Christians as Jesus' return. Maybe it's kind of like Jesus is going to come back and as people become Christians, the world's going to change and it'll become more like Jesus' world. Maybe that's how Jesus comes back, but that's not how Jesus is coming back. Jesus' come to return is going to be glorious. In the passage we read, Matthew 25, now we'll put it up. Here we go. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven and then all the peoples on earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call. It's pretty glorious. And they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. It's the return of the King arrayed in all of his splendour. And it's glorious. You know, as, as human beings, we try and create glorious. We have royal pomp and ceremony at, at the coronation of a king. We have victory parades after battles and Arc de Triomphs. And then we might have fireworks and music. And it's, it's glorious. But you, it's like that Crocodile Dundee line. Yeah, you call that glory? No, that's glory. When you see Jesus coming back, that's glory incomparable glory. There are three words used in the New Testament about the return of the Lord Jesus. The most common one is this word parousia. It means coming, it means arrival, it means presence. It's not the, it's not the default coming word. It's a little bit more of a nuanced word that the Greeks would use for coming. There's a very simple word for that. Parousia is a little bit more nuanced, uh, coming, arrival, presence. So it was particularly used whenever an emperor came into town. 
It's his parousia as he comes in on the parade, his parousia. It's a relatively common word. Let's have a look how it's used in the scriptures. In one example, next one. Jesus, just before the chapter we read, at the start of the chapter we read, Jesus is at the temple precincts in, in Jerusalem. It's not long before his crucifixion. And he says, do you see all these things, this temple? To his disciples, truly I tell you that not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. And his disciples are, what? The temple? Like the temple's massive. It's bigger than the opera house. It's big. It's, it's glorious. It is more glory. It was more glorious than the opera house. Big stones, ancient building. So the disciples are confused. They go to the Mount of Olives and they come to him privately and they say, tell us, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your parousia, your arrival, your presence, and of the end of the age? Because we think you're the Messiah and you're going to come, you're even going to destroy the temple. So what are the signs going to be when you come, says, ask the disciples, at your parousia? When Jesus comes, he will come bodily and personally as King Jesus, the same King Jesus, yet in all of his glory. If you look at the, the, the descriptions of Jesus in the book of Revelation, that is the same Jesus, yet he is an awesome, ruling, conquering king, full of majesty and glory. That same Jesus will come back bodily and personally. The second word used is apocalypsis, from which we get our word apocalypse. It just means revelation, so the revelation is the apocalypse. How is it used in the Bible? Well, here's one from 2 Thessalonians. God is just and he will pay back trouble on those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen, this great day of relief, when the Lord Jesus is apocalypse. At the Lord Jesus' apocalypse from heaven, his revelation from heaven, in blazing fire with his powerful angels. Jesus will be revealed. And when he is revealed, we will see him for who he is and we will see ourselves for who we are by comparison. And many may despise Jesus now and many mothers may just simply ignore him. But one day he will be revealed. And every knee will bow before him when they see Jesus in his powerful glory. Jesus' appearance, the Bible tells us, will be visible. His coming will be visible. So I've got a couple of passages there on that. Next slide. Look, this is from Revelation 1.7. He is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Even those who pierce him and all the peoples on earth will mourn because of him, this coming of Jesus, this concept of glory and even mourning because we see him for who he is. Amen. The angels, when Jesus ascended to heaven, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, we've seen him personally, bodily, with our eyes, go into heaven, will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. Personal, bodily, visible. Same Jesus. How is that going to work on a circular sphere, spherical earth? I don't know. 
But the Bible tells us again and again that we will see Jesus when he returns, personally and bodily. I'm only giving you one passage. Every knee will bow. Third word, epiphania, from which we get our English word, epiphany. Gee, it's clever, isn't it? Which means appearing or manifestation, uncovering a, a different sort of form. Here's a couple of verses. We wait for the blessed hope from Titus 2.13, the appearing, the epiphany of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. The veil will be drawn back. So what has always been there, the veil will be drawn back. There will be an epiphany, there will be an appearing, a manifestation and we will see Jesus as he is in his glory. Every eye will see. It's the opposite of the Wizard of Oz. You know how in the Wizard of Oz, Dorothy goes to see the wizard and he gets to the wizard and there's a curtain and they pull back the curtain and there's just a middle-aged man pulling levers. You know what's going to happen when we see Jesus? It's like the curtain will be pulled back. And it won't be less than we imagined. It will be far more glorious and far more awesome and far more terrifying and loving than we ever imagined. The veil will be drawn back and we will see him, as John says, we will see him as he is on that great and glorious day. Now, if you're going to see something glorious, let's say you've been invited to a coronation. You get ready. If you're going to see something glorious, like a wedding, people put effort into making their weddings glorious, you tend to get ready. If you're going to see something glorious, like perhaps even tickets to the ballet, you can ask Jenny about that, you're going to get ready because you're going to see something glorious. One day we will all see Jesus in all of his glory, the most glorious. Will you be ready? See, Jesus' coming will be glorious. It will also be decisive. We'll go back to one there, just get that word decisive there. Oh, there it is. Click. You just get decisive. Decisive is there, okay? You know it's there. Speaking of the resurrection of the dead, 1 Corinthians 15. This is on the slide, so we'll go to, we'll go to, we'll go to the slide for this. Paul writes about the resurrection of the dead, for as in Adam, because we're all linked to Adam, all die. But so in Christ, those of us united to Christ, will all be made alive, but each in turn... Christ the first fruits, the first manifestation, and then when he comes, those who belong to him will be raised. Then the end will come. When he hands the kingdom over to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority and power, for he must reign until he has put everything under his feet, all of his enemies under his feet. This will be the end at Christ's return. There will be no going back. There will be no second chance. There will be no return. This is decision time. You know, if you're going to a court case, you get ready. You talk to the lawyers. You get the facts. You get everything together. They hold back the court case until everything's ready because it's judgment time. 
If you're getting ready for an exam, which is like a form of judgment, you get ready, don't you? So that you can pass the exam. When Jesus comes, it will be the decisive moment of history. Jesus tells a parable in Matthew 25, the passage after the one we've looked at, we had read for us, about ten virgins who are being ready and waiting for a wedding. Now, when the bridegroom comes, these girls, their job is to take their little oil lamps and rush out and meet the bridegroom because it's a pretty glorious moment and they're, the, they're like the glory, glory bell girls, right? Here's my little oil lamp, here's a little light, you're pretty special, this is pretty cool. But the bridegroom's delayed. There's a long delay. Where is he gone? The girls all fall asleep. Now, half the girls, five of them, put oil in their lamps and snooze off. The other five think, oh, he's not coming. There's no need for oil in my lamps. We'll sort that out when he gets here. They weren't ready. They're snoozing away. It's midnight. Suddenly this no- the, the notification comes through. He's coming. Everybody wakes up. Ah, 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 ah. The five girls who don't have oil, we've got to go to Kmart. Get some oil. It's one o'clock in the morning. So they shoot off down Pennant Hills Road. Meanwhile, the bridegroom comes and the five brides who have the five bridesmaids who have got their oil, they go say, you know, glory, glory to the bridegroom. And they go into the wedding chamber and they shut the door. And the other girls are at Kmart. Matthew 25, verse 10. Later the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour is the point of Jesus' parable. Get ready. The glorious moment is coming. The decisive moment is coming. Get ready. You need to be ready. Because here's the third thing about the how of Jesus coming. He will come suddenly. It will be unexpected. We see this in the parable. We'll go on to the next slide, Henry, again. And one more. Click. There we go. Sudden. We see this in the parable. We don't know when the bridegroom's coming back in Jesus' story. You know, if you read through the New Testament and you ask the question, when is Jesus going to return? The expectation, at least as I see it in the New Testament, is we don't know. But 2,000 years ago, the answer was we don't know, but we think it will be very soon. But it could be long. But we think it could be very soon, so get ready. It's been 2,000 years. You know what the expectation today is? When is Jesus returning? We don't know. But we think it could be very soon. I've spoken to a number of people, often elderly people who are quite frail. I remember one particularly, one woman, Joy, she said to me, I think the Lord's coming soon. I really, she's very frail, lying on her bed in the nursing home. I think the Lord's coming soon. Now she passed away. But I think she had it right. I think that's how we're supposed to live. With this eager expectation and readiness that Jesus is coming back and we better be ready. Jesus says in our passage, verse 26, 
If anyone tells you he's out there in the wilderness, don't go out. If anyone tells you that he came in 1914, don't listen to them. Or he's in the inner race, do not believe it, for as lightning comes from the east and is visible in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. <laughs> lightning in the east. You're sitting on your balcony. You see the light, you hear the sound, will be the coming of the Son of Man. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four corners of the earth. About the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, but nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. You see, in the days before the flood, people were eating and they were drinking and they were marrying and giving in marriage up until the day that Noah entered the ark and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Verse 44, So you must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. You've got to be ready. If you're building a house... We lived in New Zealand for three years. They build very light houses or very expensive houses. They don't build normal houses. They're either very, very light with fairly loose bits and pieces, weatherboard and stuff, or they light spend a fortune. And every time they build a motorway, they spend a fortune. What's wrong with those people, those Kiwis? Oh, we were in New Zealand, New Japan. They do the same thing. And they, you know what else they do in Japan? They cover their coastline with sirens. I tell you why, because earthquakes and tsunamis are a very real possibility that they're not so much here in Australia. And so they get ready. Now, when is the earthquake coming? Well, we're putting some systems in to try and find out because it's really important that we're ready, but we don't know. So we spend a fortune on our building now and we cover our coastline with warning sirens so that if something does happen, people can get away. We're ready. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, which I've just got to find here. It's not on the... Oh, yes, it is. 1 Thessalonians 5, here we go. Now, brothers and sisters, about the times and the dates, we don't want you to need to write to you for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come. How's it going to come? When's it going to come? It's going to come like a thief in the night. So you put an alarm system in. So you put locks on your doors. Because of course the thief's coming at night. You don't know. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labour pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, by contrast... You're not in the darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. No, 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 you've made ready. You've come to Jesus. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness because we're ready for the return of Jesus. And you're ready, right? See, how will Jesus come? He will come gloriously, personally, bodily, visibly, decisively and suddenly. 
And that's the day to wait for and to long for and to hope for. But more than anything else, it's the day to be ready for. Because you do not know when he will come. We've asked the how question. What about the why? Our second big question. Why return? Why don't you just leave us alone? What's wrong with the world? As it is. (laughs) I don't know how long you've been alive. What's wrong with the world as it is? I don't know how much experience you've had. What's wrong with the world as it is? I don't know if you've been living in northwestern Sydney in a nice house for too long as a young person. What's wrong with the world? It's broken, it's painful, it's full of tears and death and sinful, wicked people who are just like me. Injustice. Just leave us alone. No, come Lord Jesus. We covered this in big picture terms last week. Why is Jesus going to come? Well, he's going to come to bring the consummation of God's kingdom, God's kingdom in all of its glory, to finish the story of God, or if you like the words I'm using today, to complete the redemptive work of God. God is renewing and restoring, and Jesus is going to come and bring it to, to an end. All God's enemies will be overthrown. That is sin and death and the devil and all who are opposed to the living God. He will establish a new world order. He will establish a new creation. A new heavens and a new earth, the home of righteousness, we're told in 2 Peter. In the end, there's this wonderful image in the end of Revelation, we'll see this holy city of God, the new Jerusalem, coming from heaven to earth. From God to us. When God will be with his people, and they will be, he will be their God and they will be his people and every tear will be wiped from their eyes and there will be no more death or crying or mourning or pain but everything will be new. You get to Revelation chapter 22, the last chapter of the Bible. No longer will there be any curse on our world because of our sin. The curse is gone. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city where his people are and his servants, God willing that's us who have made ready, will serve him and they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and there will be no more night, just a symbol of no more darkness, just light. They will not need a light or a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they'll bask in his glory and they, that's those who have found Jesus, who have made ready, they will reign forever and ever. That's why Jesus is coming. He's coming for you. He's coming for his glory, his kingdom, to end the work of redemption. He will come also to resurrect the dead. Just the next click there. Just the next one, Henry. To resurrect the dead. All people will be raised. So if you go to John chapter 5, verse 28, we've got this on the screen. Do not be amazed at this for a time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. He's coming to resurrect the dead. Daniel has the same passage, the same teaching. And as the Apostle Creed says, from there he will come to judge the living and the dead. Next slide and next point. 
2 Timothy chapter 4. All these raised will be judged. 2 Timothy chapter 4, which says, next one, Henry, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge, preach the word. All will be judged. We'll all stand before his throne at the return of Jesus. And out of that judgment, God will gather his people to himself and deliver the church. Chapter 30, verse 31. Next slide, Henry. And the next point. This would, the clicker would have been so much better, wouldn't it? But anyway, next time we'll get it working. Promise, promise. The passage we read, let me read that again. Matthew 25, these great verses. I think, I think we've got them on the screen actually. Henry, if we can go there. Just the next one. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven and then all the peoples of earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and will gather his elect from the four winds from the ends, from one end of the earth to the other, heavens to the other. God is gathering his people on the day of Jesus' return. Why is Jesus coming? He's coming back because he promised to come back to bring in the kingdom. And when he brings in the kingdom, he's going to raise all people, judge all people and gather his people to himself into his eternal kingdom. And part of that gathering is leaving those who haven't repented and turned to him, the wicked. Jesus tells a parable about wheat and tares. He will gather the, t- the wheat and leave, leave, the, leave the weeds for burning in the fire. In Matthew chapter 25, the chapter after 24, there's a parable of sheep and goats. When, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, with all of his angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goat. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And the parable goes on. The bottom line is you want to be a sheep and not a goat. You want to be ready. You want to be amongst those people of God, the elect, who are gathered from the four corners of the heavens for the kingdom eternal. You want to, be a, you want to avoid God's judgment, his wrath. Because where is it ending? It's ending with God's people in God's place, the new heavens and the new earth in the new Jerusalem, under God's rule through his son Jesus. That is the kingdom come and that's what I want. A world remade. A world where evil is done with. A world of joy and peace and satisfaction as we sang about in that hymn. A world where every desire, every vain hope that we stir up in our hearts, every yearning, is realised in godliness and truth and goodness. Where all of our pain and all the things that burden us and all of the injustice has been dealt with. It was interesting, we had um, Pravan up here telling us stories about his friend whose father shot him when he became a Christian. Another guy who had his leg blown off in Burma by the Burmese army. 
by his own army simply because he was a member of a different ethnic group that was a threat. I hate that world and that world is everywhere. And you want to hate that world. I've got other friends just fighting for a small measure of justice and it's so hard to get and it's so expensive to get even a small measure of justice in our world, our society. I hate that world. I want it over. You know what? I hate waking up with a sore back. And I hate crying. I hate the fact that I was at a family, re- family 50th anniversary, wedding anniversary for my family at Orange yesterday. And I won't go into all the details of my, my family's pain, but there's a lot of it. It's the world we live in. I'm hoping and longing for the world that Jesus promises. And I'm praying, come Lord Jesus. I remember the day of, I remember the 9th of um, November, the 11th of September, 2001. Just like most of you do. I remember on that day saying, come Lord Jesus, I'm sick of this place. How can people do that? I'm sick of this. You get an event like 9-11, it just goes, oh, this is not right. And when someone dies who you love dearly, you get that same emptiness in your stomach. Come Lord Jesus. And even if you don't know him, I bet you feel it. But my challenge to you is, will you be ready? Hide and seek. We'll finish up. It's a fun game. You know, you go and you get a bit of time and you wriggle into a space and you have a bit of fun and uh, coming ready or not. Jesus says, I am coming ready or not. I am coming in glory. I am coming suddenly. I am coming finally. I am coming to renew and restore and to complete and to judge, which is all part of a necessary part of that restoration. There will be nowhere to hide when he returns in his glory, when the trumpet sounds. So you want to make preparation. And many of us make preparation. We all spend time making preparation like I did doing my tax this week. Are you making preparation for the most important event of history? The most glorious event of history? The most final event of history? Are you ready? Have you found your refuge, your hiding place, covered by the blood of Jesus for your sin, covered by his glorious life in place of your deathliness? Have you found your hiding place? And can you pray with confidence And hope and joy come, Lord Jesus. Amen.